welcome back to Witch Fix. I'm Sarah and today we're going to be talking about a very strange little film that I've just watched called The Spell that came out in 2009. What interested me about it is that it is a British film which I don't see a lot of while I'm looking for these kind of films. They're mostly Canadian or American so that was vaguely interesting. It also said it was based on a true story which a lot of horror films say and it seemed like it would have quite a lot of witchy content. And after having been disappointed by quite a lot of films where a witch was meant to be there and then was either not shown or wasn't even really part of the plot, I was looking for something that had a little bit more occult jazz about it. So this is the blurb from the back of the box. Jenny is a young girl who has it all. Beauty, brains, a steady boyfriend and even her own flat at the age of 16. But scratch beneath the surface and you uncover a childhood scarred by mistreatment and abandonment. Desperate for attention and seeking the love she never received from her parents, Jenny becomes involved with a handsome stranger with a dark obsession with the occult. Surrounded by witchcraft and black magic, her choices soon take her down a path that leads to a series of terrifying otherworldly experiences. She seeks help from friends, doctors, psychiatrists and religious leaders, but finds only scepticism and disbelief. But finally, committed to a mental hospital and on the very edge of sanity, can she find a way to salvation? So obviously there's trigger warnings in there for abuse which we're talking about um there isn't a huge amount shown on screen like no sexual abuse or anything but there is a little bit of like difficult home life situations shall we say so i'm going to warn for that and also for depictions of mental illness as well firstly on the dvd uh, the special feature included was the theatrical trailer which i watched before watching the movie because i was like oh okay i'll watch this and i thought from the trailer that it looked like a mixture of like a really low budget poltergeist movie and hollyoaks because it was a lot of people in jogging bottoms in really shit flats screaming at each other and then also some stuff would move on its own and then my brother who was again dragged into watching this one with me was googling imdb to like find out if any of the actors in it had been in anything else and one of them in fact one of the only four people listed who actually had a picture on IMDb is an actress from Hollyoaks, Amber Hodgkiss. I don't watch Hollyoaks, so I have no idea who she was or what she played, but there we go. We got into the story, and at the beginning, a thing comes up that says this is based on true events. It doesn't really give any details about what those true events were or who they happened to, but the Wikipedia page for the movie says they happened to a lady called Emma Whale, who then approached... Um, the guy who made this film and said, you know, you should make a film about my story because it's super interesting and other things. There's not a huge amount of information about that. That's basically it. I did Google her and try and find out if it had been reported on in like the local press or anything like that. Or if there were records anywhere or an interview with her and I can't find anything. So that Wikipedia entry is basically all I had to go on to say that this was in fact based on someone's story but on with the film and on the surface of it it looked quite promising because the film starts up and although the credits look like they were put together in ms paint we open on a scene of a coven meeting in the night time there's chanting there's robes uh, there's mentions of the threefold law and basically it's a group of people who are calling down uh, threefold vengeance on someone who has harmed one of their coven members and this person is referred to as a he so i'm not really sure who at this point but definitely a dude and the lady who's asking for this vengeance is naked but then she does put her robe back on so 
you know, I feel like it's not really there to titillate. It's just there because they thought they put that in the ritual. So that happens. And then we instantly cut to something else going on, which involves none of the same people, which is always a sign of a good film. We go to a hospital waiting room and a girl asks the girl from the box art. So I assume the main character, Jenny, um, what awful thing she did to end up in this place that they are in, which I assume is a hospital just because it looks very NHS. And then we enter a flashback. And I should mention that at this point, between moments, there is music. Boy, is there music. It is terrible music. It's literally like if you were ever in a school assembly where someone who did singing lessons with the school would get up and sing and they'd be accompanied by like a nervous kid on the piano um, or worse than that, like a nervous kid who's taking keyboard lessons, but like grade two keyboard. It's like that. Uh, I honestly was sitting there thinking maybe one of the actresses wanted to branch out into pop songs and they just decided to use a bunch of her music as a soundtrack to get around to using music that actually had rights to it. But there we go. So we have this flashback uh, to Jenny when she was presumably a lot younger and in school. She and two girls, have, who are apparently her best friends, one of them is kind of confident and the other one is kind of nervous and wearing glasses. So that's her distinguishing characteristic. Um, they're talking about some dude who's done Jenny wrong. Again, he's not named. And the confident one says that they should do a seance and put a spell on him, which makes me think that she doesn't really know what a seance is. But they start like ripping up bits of card and writing letters on and they have a glass. So presumably they're going to do some glass work. Uh, and then confidence mum busts in is like you have no idea what you're doing don't mess with this shit and while she's sort of berating them for this the glass which is on the table moves by itself uh, but none of them notice this and then we cut straight back to the hospital and they're trying to put jenny in a room uh, like a little bedroom type cell and she's screaming and not letting them and then there's a shadowy figure in the room except it's a shadowy figure in the same way that the demons from hell in the movie ghost with patrick swayze were shadows in that it looks like someone has cut a shape out of black crepe paper and then sticky taped it onto the lens of the camera so it doesn't look that great at that point the movie has been quite choppy i'm not getting on with it very well there's quite a lot of loose ends but then we do sort of crash land into a continuous narrative, thank Christ. Jenny is put into therapy and she then recounts the early story of her life to her therapist, which is quite boring, um, but basically it involves a lot of stuff like her not getting on with her new stepdad and her mum kicking her out so she has to go and live with her real dad and his relationship breaks up so she has to move back in with her mum and then basically I'll cut a long story short she ends up applying to the council and saying look can I have my own flat because I'm living in my mum's basement and they say sure she gets her own flat and moves into it with her boyfriend Rick. Rick and Jenny are living in their quite small and not very nice looking council flat and I lived in a council house literally all of my life and it was lovely but this looks like what would happen if you gave two 16 year olds a flat and then neither one of them took care for it for like two years. Anywho they appear to not be getting on very well he never takes her anywhere she's getting kind of bored of him and so she starts going out with a guy from work called Ed on the side uh, but doesn't tell Rick about this, obviously. Uh, on the one occasion, Rick actually does take her somewhere. It's to this, what we're told is a club, but which appears to be a patio with some weird lights on it and about 10 people there. And this girl wearing a lot of dark lipstick comes up to Rick and starts like hitting on him. And then Jenny slaps her. 
Uh, it's revealed that this girl's name is Kate, by the way, just in case you needed to know that for later. And I sort of recognised her from the opening scene with the coven because the naked lady who was calling up vengeance was also wearing a lot of dark lipstick. So um, those are the same person. Kate is then shown in a new scene talking to someone who is wearing a lot of purple crushed velvet, saying she wishes there was something she could do so that she could get her hands on Rick. And this mysterious stranger in the purple velvet, who is never seen again, says, oh, for people like us, there's always something that we can do. So between that and the crushed velvet and the dark lipstick, I was like, oh, OK, so Kate's a witch. That settles it. She's the person from the opening scene. Um, and we'll see where we're going with this. Now, because Jenny is really smart, and I should say at this point that me criticising Jenny doesn't mean I'm criticising the unknown person whose story this film is based on, because I know nothing about that person's story. I can only go on what I was shown in the film. But Jenny is dumb as fuck. So she's written in her diary the fact that she's cheating on her boyfriend and who she's cheating on him with. And Rick, because he is slightly less dumb as fuck, goes and reads her diary to find out what's going on. They have a massive screaming fight and she kicks him out of the flat. So they're not living together anymore. And then Rick, who I guess has no sense of danger, goes around to Kate's house and asks if he can stay there for a bit. Jenny sort of meets up with her friend Vicky, who is the confident one from when they were younger. Uh, Vicky seems to be dabbling in witchy shit based on the fact that the seance at the beginning was her idea and that when we see her now she has tarot cards. But she says that Ed, who is Jenny's side piece, is also into the occult because he recognised that she was wearing a crystal necklace one day and he could tell her what crystals it was, which I feel like a lot of people could do without necessarily being big into the occult, but there we go. So next time Jenny is over at Ed's house, now that they're like officially dating because Rick's not living with her anymore, she sees this big old magic book that kind of looks like the Book of Shadows from Charmed on his coffee table of all places. And he said it's called Titan's Oracle and that it's used to predict the future. Again, this is never mentioned again or called back to. So it's kind of pointless at being in there. But she asks him about what he's into and what Vicky said. And he shows her his loft upstairs where there is uh, an altar set up with some like pentacle cloth on it and some candles and stuff. She seems to think that it's cool, but then she seems to be freaked out by it for no discernible reason. He gives her kind of like a weird look and then it cuts to her leaving his house, presumably the next morning. And he is standing at the kitchen window in a dressing gown, drinking tea and watching her leave. Uh, I just want you to remember that because it becomes relevant later, believe it or not. We find out a little bit about what Kate and Rick are up to. Basically, Kate is bragging about people she's cursed to cause to have accidents or for their pets to die because she seems like a real winner. Uh, and she says that she'll set a spell up for Rick to get Jenny back for him, which obviously she doesn't want because she has loudly and continuously declared that she wants him for herself. But Rick, for some reason, doesn't remember this. Um, so they set up a spell and he's in like a circle of candles and Kate's telling him what to say and what that amounts to is basically I want my girlfriend to come back to me of her own free will but also force her to come back to me and make her be faithful is what he says. So at the same time Jenny's woken up in her room at her flat and a weird sort of shadow man appears on the wall and a lot of stuff starts getting shaken around and knocked over. Uh, and then the shadow thingy tells her that nothing can protect her and then seems to like get into her body. At which point her last line of like terrified screaming is played backwards. And so is the footage of all the stuff falling over. So now it looks like it's flipping back to where it used to be. But it's just the same footage in reverse. Which they do again later and it never stops being ridiculous and stupid. At this point I was like, what? Because 
clearly these two things were meant to be related the spell that rick's doing with kate and what is happening to jenny but they don't seem to be related at all because there was nothing really ambiguous about the wording of his spell it was all about getting jenny to come back to him at no point did he say i want a weird shadow monster to crawl inside her but that is what happened and we hadn't been shown ed doing anything to be honest so i didn't really see that he had done anything either because you know if you haven't shown us it in a film it didn't happen so that was a bit confusing the next morning jenny wakes up she's all weak and she realizes that the lights and water in her flat don't work for some reason she doesn't ever call anyone about this despite the fact that it seems like something that you would instantly get onto your utility company about and then the voice that she heard comes back saying that she can't get rid of it because it's inside her and she looks in the mirror and starts screaming but you can't see anything behind her or anything it's like she's literally screaming at nothing or something that only she can see that we can't which was a bit confusing because usually if you see someone look in a mirror and they start screaming you will like check behind them or anything to see if there's something spooky that will scare you the viewer but there was nothing in the meantime, Rick's love spell has clearly worked a great big huggy bunch because he's in bed with Kate, who has a black satin set of sheets, which seems clammy. And also because this whole thing is taking place in Leeds, seems not warm enough for the climate. At this point, Jenny calls Rick in a panic because of all this weird shit that's going on. And he says, fine, I'll come see you. It'll be fine. Hangs up. And then Kate tells him that he has to get Jenny to the woods that night or he'll lose her. So... He goes to see Jenny and then blames Ed for all the weird stuff that's happening because he's like, oh, you know, Ed probably cast a spell on you. Despite the fact that he doesn't know anything about Ed's involvement with the occult. So he's just kind of putting a shot in the dark. Maybe Jenny mentioned something, but I can't remember. So, um, yeah, he just blames Ed. He also at this point sees that the water is off in her flat and that the electricity isn't working and that her whole kitchen is covered in dead flies like someone really really had to get into a bag of raisins right now and wolverined it open but he doesn't seem to think anything weird about this or that it might be related to the spell in any way. At this point Jenny sort of says well maybe Ed did the spell on him because we split up this was the first hint that I had that they had split up. All I had seen and all that had been in the film was her being let up into his loft sanctum and seeming intrigued and then freaked out by it for no real reason. And then him watching her leave the next morning, like as you would watch like your girlfriend leave if they were going down the path and you were happened to be standing by the kitchen window drinking some tea. So that was a little bit of a like a, a what the fuck moment because we hadn't seen them break up at all rick then tells her that kate can break the spell or cast a different spell to like counteract it and that they should meet in the woods that night so she kind of agrees um then she goes to see her friend vicky who's like dabbling in this stuff and they both agree that kate can't be trusted which is like the first smart thing that jenny has done so they go and see a priest to ask him for an exorcism and he won't do an exorcism because to be honest she sounds like she's mentally ill and he says you know here's some prayers here's a rosary but i can't just do an exorcism on you that's not how it works then there is some like a kind of a boring midsection of the movie because no more occult stuff happens uh, like we don't see any more ceremonies or rituals or any occult paraphernalia we just see jenny going through various people's houses staying with them for one night and then them being completely freaked out by her weird behavior and asking her to leave so first she stays with vicky then she moves on to her friend claire who's the one with the glasses except she doesn't have glasses anymore um then she goes to her manager at work i wouldn't tell my manager if i was ill let alone if i was possessed 
I barely tell my managers my real name and birthday. But that aside, he tells her to go and see the priest in the first place. Um, and then he lets her stay with him uh, for the night. But then his wife kind of freaks out and says, you know, she's not staying here again. At which point um, Jenny goes to see her dad. In the middle of all this, she goes to see the same priest again. And he tells her to see a doctor. She goes to the doctor who says he can check her into a mental health facility but she doesn't do. Um, then she goes to stay with her dad and also has a phone conversation with Rick where he says, you know, you didn't come to the woods. And she's like, yeah, no, I've decided not to do that. So quite a lot of boring and repetitive stuff happens. Following a pretty creepy incident in a cafe Nero, of all places, uh, Jenny's gone shopping with Claire to try and cheer herself up. And she starts seeing the shadow people that she's seen previously in the cafe Nero and they apparently tell her to kill Claire. And at this point, uh, Jenny goes to her dad and then he takes her to the mental hospital, which seems like a good move all round. The shadow people, I will explain, is um, maybe explained by the fact that you briefly see a flash of the coven doing spells again. And then Jenny sees people in robes outside, but then uh, her manager, who she's staying with at the time, doesn't see them. At this point, it's pretty hard to tell if the film wants us to think that she's being a victim of dark magic or that she's having some sort of mental breakdown slash schizophrenic episode, which I would be on board with the uncertainty of if we hadn't seen these things happening when Jenny isn't there. Because if Jenny isn't there, then we have to take them as factual and that they've actually happened. If Jenny's there, we can say, oh, OK, this is just what she's seeing. But if we're just seeing it and Jenny's nowhere to be found, who's hallucinating this stuff? Because it's definitely not me. At this point, there was only like 16 minutes left of the movie. And I was getting progressively more worried that we weren't going to really see any more witch stuff. Because from quite a witchy, strong beginning, we kind of devolved into more of a lifetime Hallmark movie about mental illness than... A film about witches which is what this was billed as regardless jenny's now in treatment uh, she's allowed out uh, and about she goes to see a new priest who says that he has an open mind but that she does need proof if she wants an exorcism but he does say that she can call on god and god will help her which is slightly more useful than the first priest then there's an episode where Jenny is alone in her room at the mental hospital at night. She's holding the rosary she was given. She basically just starts screaming at the thing inside her to get out of her body. She has a fit and falls on the floor and then starts asking God for help um, and then passes out. And then the next morning wakes up. She sees her own reflection again, but doesn't see whatever made her scream before. And we're given to understand that the shadow thing, whatever it was, has gone. It's at this point that Rick comes back. Um, Rick, who has been conspicuously absent from the story, um, aside from the fact that he's tried to phone her a few times, we haven't really cut back to what him and Kate are doing at all, which is a shame because Kate, as the only actual witch in the story, was someone who I was quite interested in seeing. Ed appeared to evaporate from the narrative the second Jenny left his house when they apparently broke up, so we don't really see him again. Uh, but we do see Rick. He phones um, and says that he wants to visit, and Jenny says that she knows he did this to her, and she doesn't want to see him. How she knows that, I have no idea. I actually rewound the DVD, or like skip back or whatever it is you do with DVDs. I'm old. And looked at their previous conversation on the phone. And all he said was, you didn't come to the woods. And she was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. And then she hung up and then he called her a stupid cow. But she'd already hung up. So I have no idea how she knew or thought she knew that he had done this to her. I don't even know how he would have done this to her with the spell that we saw him doing. 
So that's all very confusing. I mean, maybe she could blame Kate, but she doesn't know that he's staying with Kate, really. So it's all just very confusing. Anyway, we see Rick then turn on Kate and say this is all her fault. And he walks out on her and she breaks a cup or something and is very upset looking. And then Jenny's cleared to go home. And then Jenny goes home. And that's the end of the movie. Now, right at the beginning, you might remember me mentioning that there was a ritual where Kate was in a circle asking for vengeance on a male character. I assume that's on Rick and that that is all postscript and stuff that happens at the end of the movie. I don't know why it was shown at the beginning, because I feel like it would have been more symmetrical to have it like at the end so then we have some witchy stuff at the end but that being said I don't think it would have wildly improved the movie wherever it happened to be. Now I kind of enjoyed the opening of the movie terrible terrible music aside um, it did seem to be grounded in reality which is something I quite like in my horror films Um, it wasn't too like supernatural and weird we saw real people doing pagan looking ceremonies you know, there wasn't a huge bunch of CGI and effects. The movie started to die for me when they started trying to show these shadows, um, which just looked awful. And when they started doing the weird, like, playing people's audio backwards and, like, rewinding footage of stuff falling over, um, I felt like it didn't really need that. Also, as much as I find the kind of question of Jenny's mental state interesting... They didn't really set it up in a way that makes a lot of sense because, again, if Jenny's not there when we're seeing some of this stuff happening, like the glass moving when she wasn't looking at it and didn't comment on it or seem to have noticed that it happened, then we have to assume that there is real supernatural stuff at work, which means that she's not crazy. They really are out to get her. Also, I kind of wish that Kate had been used more as a character and that we'd seen a bit more witchy stuff. And also that the spell that she'd done with Rick had been worded to be a little bit more ambiguous and maybe have some wording in there that made you think, oh, okay, so she's telling him this spell is for this thing, but it's actually going to do this. Because at the moment, I don't really see how it would have called up a demon or some sort of shadowy entity and caused it to possess Jenny. While I was looking for some more stuff about this movie, I found out that it had been reviewed by The Guardian, and just the pull-out quote from that was bewilderingly awful, which kind of sums up how I feel about it. Also, one of the terrible songs, which is the one that they actually use over like the credits at the end of the movie, contains the lyric, okay, that wasn't great, but it's over. So I feel like the movie has reviewed itself, and therefore making me superfluous. Uh, I also managed to dig up an interview with the guy who produced the film, Owen Carey Jones. Uh, He's like the writer, producer, director, all of the above. Basically talking about how he was approached by this woman and given her story to make into a film. And he's talking about how he wants to make a bunch of other films. um, And he hopes to get uh, Ellen Page on board for his next one. It kind of appears that he didn't because this film was made in 2009 and his next film, which did not feature Ellen Page, came out in 2015 and he hasn't done anything since. Uh, I also noticed that one of the women in the movie who plays, I think, the wife of her manager who she goes to stay with is also the casting director of the movie. So, I mean, I'm not criticising them for double rolling people, but she wasn't the best actress. Let's just leave it there. So... Again, this is a film with like interesting ideas and it definitely has a plot. I just kind of wish that it had been looked at by somebody who understood how stories work and 
um, how to write dialogue. But it's probably had some of the best acting that I've seen in these films because it features people who are by and large actually actors and who have gone on to act in other things. And it wasn't like a student production or anything. They actually have proper sets and lighting and stuff and clearly have permission to film in at least somewhere that looks like a hospital and a Cafe Nero. So they get an award for actually bothering to not film in a parking lot somewhere outside like a diner that their dad owns or something. I feel like the quality of films I'm looking at is steadily increasing from just the incomprehensibly bad to the sort of understandable plot lines that with a bit more work could have been good but still aren't. So I'm hoping one of these days to come across a good movie and you can help in that dream by recommending anything that you've seen to the Twitter page for the podcast or dropping it in the comments in the YouTube version of the podcast uh, below this if you are listening on YouTube. And in the meantime, I will see you in the next episode. Bye!